everyone and welcome to another edition of the LIBF Financial Advisor podcast with me, John Somerville, and some very esteemed guests actually today, or certainly a new esteemed guest, um, along with our, lo- our regulars, David Owen and Nicola Barker. We, we're very pleased to have with us today Lee Coates, um, who is um, the ethical investment specialist, I would say, for our panel. You've been on before, Lee, so great to have you on again. Uh, how are you today? Uh, cold, but uh, yeah, great to be here, John. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> no, absolute pleasure to have you on. I know our, our our listeners will be really pleased to hear some of your comments today, especially you know following COP twenty six last year and uh, an awful lot you know that we heard about the climate, and then obviously Christmas happened in the middle. It's time to get on that accelerator again, and but the the electric accelerator, I would say, Dave 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 Owens Tesla electric powered accelerator i'd say it would, would be the way to go forward into 2022 what do you think dave yeah, well yes and funnily enough this morning when lee said he was cold it was minus seven in darbados when i was driving to the railway station and the gritter had slid off the road and was stuck in a field <laughs> oh dear oh the irony <laughs> yeah yeah so my electric car was okay I must admit, I, 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 speaking of irony, and and you know, it's it, well, it, it's an interesting one, really. I, I, poor old Tesla had been involved in an accident locally to me, and was on the back of a tow truck, which happened to be a diesel-powered tow truck, and that was the irony I saw mm-hmm. uh, over the Christmas period. What can you say, really? We've not got, we've not moved on enough to have electric-powered tow trucks as it stands at the moment. And, and Nicola, obviously, you know, over the over the festive periods, I'm sure you've had. Um, socially distanced uh, parties going on and that sort of thing. So welcome back to 2022. How's things up in the borders for you? I confirm I didn't realise it was a party before we start. Okay, let's get that out there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I thought it was a work event. Um, So um, (laughs) I'm, I'm grand. Oh, thank you very much. It's great. It's great to catch up with everybody. So good to be here. Excellent. Um, Martin finds himself in a meeting today, which he can't uh, get out of. So Martin Clark will be on our next uh, episode, I'm sure, uh, in February. Um, but yeah, as I say, his his shoes have been very, very ably filled by Lee today. And and Lee, um, uh, you know, we were chatting before we started, obviously recording as as we normally do. But um, it, it was just re- I was really, really interested, and I've been asking a lot of people in the industry this question recently about, you know, well, why does it mean so much to them? So, I mean, how did you get into being, you know, known for being such a specialist in in ethical investing? Why, what, you know, what what drives you? What's behind it all? Why why are you the David Attenborough of financial advice? Well, thank you for that, John. Um, <laughs> it comes down to a, a, a deep rooted um anger uh about bullying Mm. i've been asked this question so many times and it's not about ethical investment it's not about this it's for me it's about um bullying okay why bullying um well because they don't like it i can remember at my junior school watching some kid get thumped and i was thinking well that's so unfair just because the big one is Mm. being hit uh sorry hitting the small one so I picked up a chair and hit him with it. We were best mates after that. But but the print but the principle was I mean I was okay I was seven, not advocating violence in any way. But um, I thought that's so unfair. And now you know responsible investment ESG that sort of it's all about corporate bullying. 
It's mm. about we can get away with it because we can. You know, Fergal Sharkey goes on and talks about um, the, the pollution in rivers. And, and the point he was trying to make was everybody knows there's, there's a problem there. Everybody knows it needs to be sorted, but nobody wants to do it because they can't mm. be bothered. Yeah, I'm and, and, and so we're all being bullied, if you like. I mean, I'm extending the definition of bully quite wide, but but that's what that's what keeps me going. I just think that's so unfair, mm. and they're getting away with it because they can, and it needs to stop. I, what I, I, it I, is can be, you know, you can slot in net zero, climate change, whatever, mm. um, whatever animal welfare issues, whatever. But the point is that, uh, yeah, for me, the driver is it's, it's wrong. Yeah, very commendable. I was listening. I've funny. I've seen uh, Fergal Sharkey talk on this very subject a couple of times. He got completely by accident got into it, didn't he? And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he just went. Now I wouldn't argue with him at all on it. No, absolutely. This this is somebody who really, you know, is is, um, you know, passionate is one of those words that gets thrown around all over the place. Get out my punk albums. Well, you know, something. Why not? You know, let's be fair about it. You know, one of the greatest pop songs ever written, as 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 uh, the great John Peel uh, pointed out. So, no, fantastic. Well, that's great stuff. Well, I've got for this um, particular episode, I've got a series of questions which I'm going to ask the panel. Um, You know, I don't don't profess to be, you know, the the consummate expert in this, but so I like to get. I like to learn from really, you know, really good people around us. And I'm going to start with Lee on this. And obviously Nicola and, and Dave will just um, chip in an answer from an industry perspective as we go along, I think is probably the, you know, the way forward on this. But the first um, question I had really was many in the industry say that uh, finance, the finance sector has a critical role to play in tackling climate change. What are the biggest challenges that need to be overcome, Lee? What, 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 what do you see are the biggest hurdles? If we're looking specifically at the the providers um, and putting aside the bullying issue again, um, t- to me, uh, the, the, the biggest challenges are going to be uh, meeting the FCA's uh, truth and transparency requirements. Because, um, okay, sweeping generalization here, but the industry isn't really very good at being honest. Mm. You know, how, the old adage you know from an acorn an oak tree grows well you can use that analogy for the marketing departments and many of the investment and, and companies which is or they're actually doing something the size of an acorn but they don't have to make it look like it's a massive mm. oak tree um and uh that's probably why we've got greenwashing mm. um is because uh people are jumping on the bandwagon um uh, ESG or sustainable, responsible, etc. Um, and I just think the industry needs to sort of take a step back and forget about pushing the product and think about the customer. Now, right. I know that sounds very trite, but mm. uh, it would be a really good place for the industry to start, which mm. is, does the end consumer really understand what we're doing here? And also the other thing for the industry is, um, it needs to accept the fact that not every single living entity on this planet um needs to give them money Mm. this idea that we've got this product we're the best so everybody needs to give us money it's no you've got a product it needs to be uh compared to your peers and let the customer direct or um, customer and their ifa make that decision but Mm. but don't try and make an oak tree out out of an acorn just be honest about it's an acorn and you're doing your best to make that acorn better 
Yeah. Again, not meaning to sound tried again, but uh, <laughs> so that's nothing to do with climate change, nothing to do with anything else. It's just let's have a bit of truth and transparency from the industry. Mm. And nice from that, so much more will come, I believe. I, th- I think you're probably right, and, and certainly if I, I put that to uh, David example, you know, as an example, you know, obviously Lee's been um, that transparency and honesty about, you know, actually what is it that customers are investing into? Is that is that filtering through uh, and down to um, consumers via their advisors in in your neck of the woods? I think the issue we have is exactly as. Lee's eloquently put, John, which is that the asset management companies, product providers are so complex and there's so many careers, bonus schemes, structures, reputations, you know, the the, the emotion and uh, I suppose logic of people's financial situations is so large that really if you dealt this logically and you said that the future of mankind is at stake, for example, most of the things we do aren't really that good for the planet, but let's try and pull back as close as we can be as being a sustainable species. What does that mean? It probably means pulling every fund that you provide other than those that you can provide, you can offer with evidence. I think that's the problem. It's an exception, if you get me, is the, the, the ethical fund is seen as an exception in the panel rather than the default. And I think we need to move to a default position. Yeah, that's a whacking great challenge to get over as well, isn't it? Nicola, are you seeing the same sort of things? Mm. Do you know, it's it's so interesting to be part of this and and see, for example, be part of my organisation and see what they're doing and then obviously comparing and listening to, to both yourself, Lee and, and Dave and, and what your thoughts are. Um, and, and what do I mean by that? I, I suppose um, one thing from my organization is we have definitely got on the um, the uh, sustainability bandwagon and and, and 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 what I mean by that is um, there we have publicly and to our, our clients have that uh, a pledge <clears throat> and all the information's there that we want to we're part of the net zero uh, asset owner alliance uh, we have put publicly that, you know, we want to sort of try and fall in line by net zero by 20, 2050. And we are openly sharing what we're doing with our clients, um, which, you know, um, to take up the point is that the transparency, we are more transparent. We're liaising with our um, investment managers to, you know, holding them more to task and, and, and what are they doing? And that's brilliant absolutely brilliant but obviously there's more to be done right so that's obviously perhaps our investment strategy we as an organization also have to marry that otherwise it kind of falls short so picking up maybe what lee was talking about earlier in terms of you know where we got there's a lot of trust 100 agree with you lee you know as a consumer the idea of ethical and sustainable responsible perhaps and financial advice doesn't really go hand in hand and it doesn't have to be a a specific fund for example invested in that arena Mm -hmm. but going to the organization itself again you know we're making changes like everybody else um you know things like renewable electricity is used throughout our organization and all our offices and we're encouraging people to work from home where we can so there's things but 
there is so much more we can do but actually we have made a start so yeah um it, it is an interesting concept mm. and how other people see it you know yeah basically how you know it's it's and actually this probably leads me on to you know nicely onto the next question really because I, I like the analogy of you know it you know it, it's an acorn say it's an acorn it will grow but mm. what does that growth look like you know fight you know certain things will grow at a rate that, that is known um you know we've got a long way to go to to reach this sort of net zero target mm. of course but um just trying to focus on some of the positives i think and lee i think you're very well placed in the industry to sort of you know to, to comment on this really what actions have investment companies especially taken that have seen the most significant results the most significant steps forward that have really made an impact on climate change and sustainability well part of that comes back to the last point which is uh and and what nicholas said you know that there is increased transparency so the 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 industry is picking up on it the the regulator its, it's truth and transparency campaign um it is obviously helping drive that it's all but always helps when the regulators saying why not have a go at this mm. um but uh just just the idea that um i'm thinking that maybe uh, if i can you know drop a name off the top of my head impacts impacts mm. capital you know it's all, almost that idea of a couple of guys in in a shed around the back of a proper investment company mm. um said you know what we can do it differently and the idea that that company now can be multi-billion assets under management um, by sticking to, to, to what they do mm. over nearly a couple of decades mm. um, just shows how much mm. the industry has, has is sort of accepted, mm. accepted mm. The, lo- the lunatic fringe. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's... A, no, that's a, oh, that's sorry, John. No, go on after you, Nicola. Yeah. yeah. No, but actually... Do you know, and that's a really interesting point. And I know, um, you know, for the purposes of today, we're going to sort of think about, I suppose, the environmental aspect of, of, of ESG. But actually, you know, in my personal view, it's OK to say, you know, and to think and to say and be open to say, you know, the smart money, <laughs> if you're a shareholder, the smart money is actually in being more focused in this area and it's it's actually okay to be both commercial and environmentally aware or socially aware and so on because it makes perfect business sense you know it's building sustainable businesses for the future and it's okay to say that so absolutely taking this sort of like you know there was a guys behind the you know in a shed behind the whatever the investment management team or what whatever it was you, you actually said and go you know the bandwagon it's all it, it it's okay to jump on the bandwagon for the right reasons but those we cannot lose sight of those who actually started the bandwagon um and and but there are and, and my personal view is there is a some skeptic still out there tick box exercise and all of that but actually when you strip it back to smart money the smart business is to actually take it in that direction is what I'd, I would think so yeah I, 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 Sorry, go on. I was going to. Sorry, Lee. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm, I'm just hosting, so you, your, your content's the most important bit, not mine. Um, the only thing I was going to just sort of prompt you on, which hopefully sort of takes it on a little bit further, is because um, it was interesting, really. Like you say, the smart money is going into it, and you know it's no longer the loony fringe. And I think those. This is 
you know, welcome to 2022. Like as like we've just said, mm -hmm. you know, we're accelerating into this now, and where it, it, it's kind of a it feels like a sea change where it, it it's gone from okay, there's a few niche things over there that you know we can we can do a bit with, and it's you know it, it's all invested in nice places, and it doesn't invest in guns, and it doesn't invest in tobacco, and that's enough to actually know what what is it that's out there that's making a difference what, what what you know and actually if i don't invest in it my my children and my grandchildren's futures are going to be affected by what i invest into today are, are we seeing a little bit of that now i think there's a collective shift um picking up on what what nicola was saying you know um, if, if the bandwagon it gets enough people on it um or investment managers on it, then then change will happen. And so perhaps the ones that uh, uh, you know built the wagon and are, and are steering it, and, and hopefully stay at the front of it, um, you know they're they're trying to take things in the right direction. Mm. But but as long as um, the bulk of the industry um, is is jumping on for for whatever reason, even if it is just marketing reasons. Um, that's where the transparency will come in. You know, we, we've got this, we've got one of these products because we need one. That's fine. And if you make money, people will put money in it. But when you pretend to be something you're not, that, that's the problem. But anyway, you know, change is going to come. It's difficult to say, you know, that happened and this company did this and that company did that because of what the industry is, is doing. I, I suppose that the, the, the main example would be if you look back five years ago, um, how many people were, were talking about fossil-free investment? Mm. And then within the last five years, pension schemes, family offices, funds have said we're, we're going to be fossil free or, or scale back. Um, and so that, that, that's one particular issue where the, the, the weight of desire for change um, just moves things enough. And there was that tipping point when almost it's become embarrassing to say um, we don't take it into account. And again, coming back to transparency, if those fund managers that ran funds, I'm not sure David will ever see his utopian position of they'll just shut all those old funds down. But if, if the, the, the existing funds and fund managers that didn't incorporate any values just said, we don't take this into account and put that up front and centre, there will be lots of people out there who will say, good. Mm. I don't want to. I still think it's a hippie thing. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm a, I'm a climate change denier. I want a fund that doesn't do this. So, it, so it's just being open and honest. But as I say, the, 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 the transparency side of things, uh, fossil-free investment, one of, perhaps one of the interesting things the industry has, has yet to tackle um, it, as part of its climate change thing is uh, changes in the way we eat. Mm. you know plant-based diets and that sort of thing so there are massive investment opportunities mm. out there in these new food companies whether they be sort of lab-grown steaks or, or something like that but people sh a slight shift in diet change changes investment strategies or should change investment mm. strategies and and um so it, it perhaps it doesn't matter why people change mm. just if enough of us change change will happen it doesn't take much. It's those small incremental improvements, I guess, really. Well, uh, 
David and I will vouch for that one on a sportsman perspective, those small incremental improvements, that slight difference in the way that you train or the, you know, and, and so Nicola, have you gone vegetarian yet? Have you changed your diet? Are you, got, are you thinking about uh, eating less meat? I know I am. I know I've, I've certainly done a lot of that. We were, um, we have an impact group um, at, at LIBF and I'm on that particular group because I, I, I believe strongly in all of this. Um, and I've recently just done one of these um, carbon hero um, questionnaires just to see, well, actually, what impact am I having? And that, a big part of that was about food and, you know, have you changed mm-hmm. the habits and the way that you're eating and that, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. interesting stuff. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to bring Dave into it because he's gone outside. Dave, Dave, Dave is, is now our, um, our outside reporter by the looks of it, because he obviously is <laughs> not where yeah. he was. So he's gone and sat in the Got car. To see the climate. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yes. <laughs> I'm sitting, yes, I'm, I'm sitting near a lot of uh, feral pigeons and a squirrel at the moment. So I thought I'd bring a bit of greenery to this green conversation. Take your shoes um, and socks off and wiggle them in the grass, David. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think all this is, 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 it gets back to my default. As, as much as government policy goes wherever, you know, will policy, they've got to make everything easy for people. It's a bit like when you say, John, so I watched the Netflix documentary and went, we went plant free for a month. Not plant free. That's the wrong way. Meat free. free. Sorry. Yeah. They went meat free for yeah. Meat free. Now, bearing in mind, I largely live on granola anyway. Mm. It wasn't particularly difficult. But when when you anybody's tried this, you know, you, you used to cooking your normal meals. And you think well, it would be quite simple to do uh, vegetarian or vegan food. Uh, food and to do it properly, it's really hard. Mm. You've got to relearn. You know, mm. it becomes very difficult, and it was a difficult change. And, you know, we don't I say we don't eat that much meat, but it really is hard. And if you try and apply that to every part of your life and think about everything you do, for example, it's like runners. You know, good Lord, what is the environmental impact of those running shoes? Hmm. You know, sh- should we just be walking for further uh, on just more more environmentally friendly shoes and not worrying about the running bit? You know, it's just there's loads of different things to think about. And, and you know, I think it, it's quite hard, really. And hopefully the investment industry leads it. I, I love Lee's optimism, by the way. Yes, you have, to, you have to be optimistic if you've got grandkids. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Lee. Uh, so yes, you're... otherwise it's a very long drive with them all in a minibus. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> there is no future, kids. <laughs> no, that's it. Nothing to debate here. <laughs> well, we'll keep the air conditioning on, nonetheless. Um, Nicola, what are your your thoughts on that? So you, you know, um, from a personal perspective. Um, I have consciously, um, I'm, I'm not vegetarian, but reduced the, you know, our, our household meat intake. Mm. Um, and also just, just little things, you know, like um, as opposed to getting a Tesco delivery every week, I, I do it every say two weeks or, you know, it's, it's those sort of things. And I'm very mindful of, um, food waste as well so there's a there's a whole host of things that I'm I'm consciously doing to um yeah to to try and help and it is something that um everybody or well a lot of people nowadays do do try and are are mindful and conscious of and and so um that can only be a a good thing Mm. I suppose if we go back to the industry and mm-hmm. and I suppose this is and, and again I, would, I wouldn't mind sort of Lee's you know view on this and Dave's intre- uh, views or interest or experience actually but you know this afternoon we're talking about 
in the main, you know, um, responsible investing, for example, or green finance, or, you know, whatever we, we want to, or however we want to badge it. And it's because there is a genuine demand, and I think it's the right way to, to go. But then what about the financial advisors who, for example, within my organisation, and then so if, the, if my organisation is trying to, to make those conscious steps and, and there is a direct impact on our clients because, you know, through our investment management, but those partner practices who operate nationally, how do we know? And, and again, you know, Lee, picking up your part in trust and, and transparency, how do I know, how do we know that actually they're doing the same? It, it's kind of, it's got to go all the way down the line. Otherwise, it could make a mockery of what we're trying to do. Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say there? It's, yes, exactly. I think you've just, um, in, I mean this in a loving, caring way, spent a long time trying to describe greenwashing. Or, mm. or, or potential for, for, for greenwashing. Yeah, that's that how do we know the companies are going to... So, so a really motivated advisor motivating a client to invest responsibly, and the client gets excited about it, and then this underlying fear of, well, which fund do I recommend? Mm. Because I know if it goes wrong, the fund, uh, the fund management group will put their hands up and go, well, somewhere on, in the small print, we've got a disclaimer that says we're, we're never wrong. Um, so it's you. You handled the complaint from the client. You should have known that when we said we're going to be investing for impact, the impact was increasing our profits. That was your fault that you assumed it had anything to do with the environment. We're, we're innocent. We're a fund management group. Um, so, yeah, that, that fear, um, I can understand. Um, it, it's got to be down to uh, product research and the, 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 the forthcoming label regime. That, I think, will go some way because... Ideally, hopefully, there will be minimum standards to meet in terms of disclosure and transparency um, so that firms can't really make an acorn look like an oak tree. So really, yeah, it really sort of brings on that, you know, that question about how clients are being informed and educated. And obviously, as you said, quite rightly, we've got the upcoming label regime coming in. Um, Dave, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, before I went to sleep last night, I was thinking about this because on the radio was uh, all about Europe and their labelling and, and the hand-wringing about this, of course, because it's very difficult, obviously, for them. So, so uh, it, you know, some bright sparks have come up with this great idea that what we'll do, we'll take things that aren't exactly good for the planet and we'll, we'll call them green, and then they will be green because we've called them green. Um, mm. Now, if international governments are doing that, good lord what what's happening in asset managers when they're doing the fund picking and i think an interesting one for this was me recently i was talking to a fund group who tried to build a range of multi-asset funds and of course lee you'll know far more about this than me but obviously further down the risk uh profiles it's very difficult for them to find bonds um which actually meet their sustainability requirements um, because of the general lack. So what they were talking, saying is, you know, a lot of people are pitching to them, saying, oh, we've got some great alternatives for this space. Then we then know probably lack of liquidity and a lack of transparency. So it does really make you wonder, you know, what, what, how we're going to adapt um, in a risk profiling sense to giving clients true choice if we are to make 
these funds, you know, default or at least, you know, compelling to, for clients to purchase. Mm. Well, I think from an attitude to risk perspective, um, can't remember, I think someone should pay me every time I said the word transparency. Um, but um, in the advice process, uh, I, I never had a problem with being honest to clients and saying, you can't do what you want. Um, I agree that you, it will be good for you to be able to do what you want, but the market isn't where you want to be at the moment. However, let's do this thing as far as we can uh, and, and wait for the industry to um, catch up. So it, I, th I think so many advisors that I've, I speak to, um, they see it as a black and white thing. You either do, do it all or you do, do nothing. Um, mm -hmm. um, and yet in reality, it's about saying, okay, well, we can do your, your equity portfolio. We can meet, we can run, we can set up a vegan portfolio for you, or we can um, run a sort of a, a loose ESG portfolio. However, when it comes to, to bonds and that sort of thing, the market isn't offering the same level of choice. So let's pick the best of what's available, even though it's imperfect. And I, as your advisor, will be keeping an eye on the market to see when things change and we'll build better that sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> now, careful yes, now. Sorry. We will, we will build better options into the portfolio when they become available, subject to all the other parameters, which is a great idea run by bad people, isn't going to make it into your portfolio. Yeah. But, a, I, I, but an imperfect solution from a good manager that I trust, uh, for management group rather, I trust to be trying to do the right thing where they can. Yeah. And there's this, this whole issue of push and pull. Um, that, that, and, and that's where it is good that the government are actually saying it's not just about what the financial services industry is doing it's about disclosure and transparency at the company level so when you're buying buying stocks or buying bonds from a company there's increasing reporting requirements from companies so you do know what they're doing mm. as, as an investment manager so yeah just being again open and honest with a client and, and saying instead of saying you can't do this because the market isn't ready just say the market isn't ready so we'll do what we can now that now that might sound like it's the same thing but it's psychologically not, it's mm. fundamentally different because mm. telling a client they can't do something um it, it will we'll get into their head mm. and so that maybe they'll want to ask a question at, at the next annual review and think well there's no point because the advisor told me i can't do it so they'll, they'll suppress a question which might act as a reminder in other circumstances to the advisor to say, yeah, I'm, I, I meant to tell you and I forgot because we went off at a tangent that um, I, there are some more options now and we'll build them into portfolio. So, you know, it's saying it's, it's a journey and it's good that you'll want to be on it um, without, without the client being on it from a guilt reason. There needs to be a commercial reason to be mm. on it. And even the skeptics, I mean, if you take the, the biggest skeptic in the world of, of climate change, their portfolio should be 50-50. 50% 50, 50 invested in, in old old style, full of fossil fuels and all the, the, you know, the, the older industries and 50% in the new because um, they can't guarantee. Their, their prejudice doesn't guarantee something's going to be right. So um, from, a, from a good capitalist, hedge your bets point of view, run a portfolio on 50-50. Interesting. Do you that's know that's interesting. Yeah. Sorry, John. I, no, I no, was I was going to say, I was going to move it on to you anyway, Nicola, really, because, yeah. I, and, and the reason why I was going to, I'm just going to prompt you in, in, a, in, a, in a direction that sort of suits where you're, you, you are, you sit within, um, uh, within SJP. Um, 
this has an impact on advisors, obviously, and mm -hmm. their understanding of it to make sure you get it across to um, consumers. So obviously you're right about the, you know, where, where Lee comes from is a direct experience with consumers is a real, um, mm -hmm. you know, asset to this conversation. Um, the bit in between is that, okay, well, the advisor is getting information from one side as far as, mm -hmm. you know, what these funds are doing and, you know, what do they believe? What do they disbelieve? What information they've got? That sort of thing. On the other side, you've got consumers saying, well, actually, I do want this, but I also want performance as well. And, you know, so mm -hmm. the advisor stuck in this impossible. They're also in this imperfect, yeah. or impossible position, aren't they, really sat in the middle? You know, so so what's happening in SJP to try and help them cater for that? Because, I mean, it's blowing people's minds, isn't it, at the moment? Advisors, you see it in the press every day that advisors, you know, they struggle to understand, they struggle to get the right information, you know, and I, I know that we, as Lee's quite rightly pointed out, you know, the label regime's coming thick, and it's coming soon and people really need to jump on board with that. But, you know, there's a lot, lot of, a lot of stuff that's hitting advisors. What, what, what's going on in your world on that? Mm. And, and well, I mean, going back to, to what I said at the outset, there's a lot of um, collateral, there's a lot of literature and promotion of this. And, and, and to, because you're right, John, you know, um, there's, there's two aspects to this. The first is because it's something that is developing um, and, and, and becoming more prevalent for whatever reasons, whether it's the FCA sort of behind the scenes saying, look, you know, we want you to do this or, or, or not, it, it, it actually doesn't matter, but it is coming. And so it is something different to what we were or have done traditionally. And, and so, so the first hurdle to advisors, if you like, is that buy-in, the belief, the credibility. And are, you know, are we doing this for real? Or are we doing this just because? And so from my personal view, what we're doing in-house um, at SJP is, is, is authentic. Mm. It genuinely is. And the guy that we've got uh, driving it, he's so credible. You, pro you, know, you, you believe, and when you talk, you listen. And so, you know, the, the message and why it makes sense is, is coming across. So, so you know, it. We're on a journey, but it, it's starting to, to come over. But then it's the next step of, okay, so we have a host of traditional portfolios that we operate. And picking up the points that we were talking about earlier, it's like, you know, so that's not a bad thing, but, and, and picking up on Lee's point, you know, what about having the balance? Because those portfolios, they have to be in keeping with all the views. And you, you, you might, you can't be 100% in one direction because you don't want to alienate certain clients you know so you've got to have that happy balance and so so what we've actually got is our traditional portfolios but there are there are enhancements within our portfolios in terms of more scrutiny about how they're managed what actually um um they, they actually call it and i'm just looking at the carbon the portfolio carbon intensity there's a lot more information so so what you've actually got is a balance for those clients who take an interest and, and to say well look you know this is actually what your portfolio is doing for the greater good but for those who may not be interested for whatever reason then we're not alienating them either and I, I hope that obviously makes sense. And then that going back to the advisors, it puts them not in that awkward position, 
because it then becomes a choice that, you know and, and what they as advisors want to be you know and what and how they want to um you know want to perform and and i suppose the the labeling of funds or or portfolios might improve that because it be, then becomes more visible to everybody and and i suppose the aspect of you know perhaps somebody might want something that has a positive impact and then somebody might you know not does everything have to be like high impact you know mm. it, 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 and it's that balance so um i'm hoping i'm, I'm explaining myself because i'm, I'm, no, I'm it's fine. I, I totally get what lee's trying to say you know i, yeah. I, I get it yeah, no, I, I think that's really useful. And, and and I have to say, you know, my experience of the advice world and, uh, uh, you know, for many years, and uh, it, it, it's interesting how, um, you know, different companies will react to this. So, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, you've SJP from, from, from all the positive noises that are coming from that mm-hmm. direction and what you're t- telling us about, you know, it's, it, it's, it's heartening to know. You know, I, I know that out there there are, you know, as we know with various sales teams in the past, there'll be a certain number that you'll need to tick the box with, if you like. So, and if I elaborate on that, so that you understand where I'm coming from with this, you know, they will need to make sure that a number of their investments are ESG related. And therefore a sales manager or TNC supervisor will say, well, actually you've done three clients this year out of 10. That's not enough. Our benchmark is you know five or six out of ten therefore we're going to put you on remedial actions and all that that's not the way to go about it surely you know dave I, I, you've you've experienced it you know because that's how things get measured in the past isn't it you know, various different things and we don't want that sort of thing going on do we no but it's, do you think it's just madness though to me and i, I know it's this is really hard you know for example there's probably a greater requirement well you know if we tried to re- invest everything sustainably for example or hit all the high impact on all the SG filters, there wouldn't be enough investment opportunities to do it. I, I get all that. Mm. However, if we look at it, when we start grading people, are you slightly low impact, medium impact, high impact? Isn't it a load of rubbish? Because we're talking about people in sub-Saharan, uh, sub-Saharan Africa not being able to survive. We're talking about mass migration. We, we can only currently live on 12% of the planet currently. So if that shrinks... You know, what's the impact? And then of everything else, of all the other eco-culture on the planet, you know, the impact we have. You know, I think it's so massive. And I think we need to move at much greater pace. And I think the only way in which we move at greater pace is advisors get on this and start advising clients into those funds who are doing serious things around this. Mm, definitely. Or are you, are you advocating that we, um, we, we all live under the sea, Dave? Maybe that's the way to go to expand where we can live. Well, I, I love that one because it's, it's the sea. Because there's not a problem in the sea because we can't see under it. It's probably an absolute disaster as well. But you know, it's... <laughs> you wouldn't need your running shoes then, David. Just 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 a pair of speedos. Oh, good lord! Yeah, I would save anybody <laughs> creating that image. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. Yeah, condor smugglers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ooh. moving away. Moving, oh dear. <laughs> Let's move away from that. Let's move on to our, my final question of the day, really, which is, um, uh, and we'll start with Lee on this one, which is, um, what investment sectors are you seeing that are having the greatest success 
And obviously, you know, that, that, that'll be balanced with challenges out there. But I, I'd, I'd like to finish on a positive, actually. So we won't worry about the challenges so much. What I'd like to know is really, you know, what areas of the investment strategies that are out there and the, and the investment funds and fund managers, who, who's really making a difference? What sort of things are, you know, or, or it might be investment sectors or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think probably uh, it would be easy to say, um, you know, renewable energy and that sort of stuff. I think that the, the less sexy aspects of change are going to be more interesting. So companies that are just improving um, efficiency mm. of running a business. Um, and so um, something as boring as uh, switching over to um, you know, LEDs in, in the lighting. You know, it's, it's not very sexy. It's really boring. Mm. But, but, but that, that sort of thing. So improving business efficiency improves the bottom line. So if you, if, you, if, you know, if you solely lived by a capitalist model, this is a really exciting time to be looking for investment opportunities because there are so many new things. We, we don't know what we don't know, slipping into Rumsfeld there. But you know, we don't know what businesses might be out there. If you go back, I don't know, 25, 30 years, was it as exciting a time? You know, it, it, go back 30 years and try and look ahead. What sort of innovation? I suppose we'd be looking at IT. Mm. And now we can say IT is exciting and it's brilliant. And, um, you know, we've got so many opportunities there. Again, areas we don't know that we can be investing in. But, but in so many more sectors, there will be people coming along with, with some sort of quite apparently boring ideas that will say this will save companies 10 percent of of cost that cost will also translate into a a 10 percent or 20 whatever maybe as a factor on it a 30 percent reduction in their carbon emissions fantastic Mm. you've got Mm. a company wanting to start up sell a product to make money there's a good capitalist model Mm. by helping to make other companies reduce their costs thereby increase their profit and even if at the end of the day, everybody said, well, it, the, the, it's, it's a, a good byproduct, but it's only a byproduct that the, the planet is safe. That's not a bad starting point. If that's the bottom line, where the environment is a, is a byproduct, everything else above that becomes a positive, constructive change. So, I, so um, as I say, it's, it's in the least interesting areas uh, that, that uh, exciting investment opportunities are going to crop up. Which is fascinating in itself, obviously. And I, I, I totally with LED and develop LED LED development is so important because I can't honestly these energy saving light bulbs are doing my eyes and I can't see anything at night anymore. And you just need something. <laughs> Either that's it's just my failing eyesight with age, I think as well. But yeah, absolutely. You know the development of that lighting, energy efficiency, and that sort of thing. Nicola, obviously, you know what what's what what advice what are advisors favouring really? You know when it comes to you know advisors, uh, you know finding funds that are um, doing the right things for customers. People, you know where where, where you know what sort of things are advisors finding important to customers. Uh, do you know it, it's interesting because um, there's still lots to be work work to be done. And going back to the point you made um, at the very outset, John, about perhaps you know you know you can choose funds or have funds that don't aren't you know don't have tobacco or whatever holdings. I mean, you know, we can do. And there's still, I suppose, um, a lot of mindset that that's what this is. Mm. You know, sort of removing 
Whereas actually, Lee's just, you know, described described it perfectly. It's the smart money. It's like making money by change that is is in and sustainable change is the way forward. And so from an advisor perspective, I still think there's a lot of education to be done. But um, but it is starting to change. I am starting to know, and 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 it's not so much. This is the irony. Um, it's not so much the advisors that I've noticed. Um, are, are promoting. They've co- they have a lot of confidence. They're very reassured by saying what SJP are doing. You know, as an organisation in our investment approach. But actually, what are we seeing now is a client who is far more interested. And so they have to get on board or, or understand what it is that a client wants these days over and above what used to be, yeah, I don't want tobacco. I don't want whatever, you know, it, it's a case of no, actually, it's a, it, it, it's a new way of thinking almost. Um, not new, but as in a more current way of thinking. Um, so, so, yeah, so that's what I'm, uh, I'm seeing, John, to be honest with you. And there's, and there's a lot and there's lots more to come, in my view. I think there's a clear warning actually to advisors as well in that the clients are starting to know more about this subject and and you don't want to be the advisor that is being educated by the client so much as the, you know, you know, it was always the, you know, the important bit was that the advisor was advising on stuff they, you know, and they were experts in their, in their, in their field on this clients are really getting switched on to this sort of information aren't they and it's really for the advisor to keep up now um you know it, it is um it, you know it's a case i mean I, I, i'm getting educated on this area every single day you know and i and i look into it. i had a fantastic conversation with uh, two gentlemen at 12 capital we've got a podcast on that on the website if you want to go and have a listen um they specialize in investing in the insurance industry and i, I asked the question quite simply what why is investing in the insurance industry sustainable? What's all that about? Well, actually, the insurance industry is absolutely vital, you know, when it comes to investing or protecting property, um, because climate change is making a massive impact on how, you know, winds and weather change and flooding and all the other uh, aspects of climate change that are going on. So it's very much in the insurance industry's uh, interest in um bringing things to a you know helping with net zero and helping with climate change you know but immediately you know my initial thought was why what you know what 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 has the insurance industry actually got to do with climate change if that makes sense a silly sort of supposition and actually a prejudiced view that i've now overturned in my own mind and there's various other sectors that we can be thinking about um dave final thoughts on on where advisors really need to focus now I think what it is, getting back to the defaults again, I think what we're really good at doing, um, advisory forces at throwing questionnaires at advisors for clients to fill in. You think it, it's, you know, quite often, it, particularly software companies will come to you and you go, oh God, not another questionnaire. And you realize that as a client, you've got to sit there. And it's like, you know, it was like now, anyway, every time you buy a product, you get sent a questionnaire. Um, and we're getting as bad as it is as, as a profession. And I think what it is, is if we, if, this force for good can happen it shouldn't mean another questionnaire it should be the core of what we do it was i think it's in best anecdote somebody said to me the other day um i don't have a vulnerable client process because i treat all my clients as if they're vulnerable that's the duty of level of care i have Mm. and i think that's the sort of thing we've got to do with the portfolios we've got to go high impact high level of care the portfolios and, and force change you know that's that's where i'd like to see 
Yeah, and 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 it that starts with the portfolio managers and the investment managers, really, when you think about it, because the um, if they are saying, actually, if you cannot prove these credentials, we'll not invest in you. You know, if that's the starting point, then because they rely on that investment, they need that investment. It has to happen, and if they don't get it from the fund managers, and they don't get it from that, you know, then actually, what are you going to do? So it could be property, it could be. Um, you know, so what are you doing to make your buildings, your warehouses, your commercial property, all the rest of it sustainable, environmentally friendly, insulated, using less power, you, you know, and sustainable power. Uh, and if in that property portfolio, actually, you know, it's not that it's a, it's, a, it's a breezy warehouse that's got no sort of, you know, sustainable credentials, then that way the property investor says, well, we're not investing in it, even if it's prime real estate, then we've made it's made a difference and that's really you know you know where it's going to be the trouble is if that prime real estate turns a huge profit it's irresistible and that's the problem we have today isn't it you know what we need to turn that tide and i guess you see that a lot really lee uh, yeah but it's all about joining up use the property example which um you know will it continue to turn a huge profit if the tenants are starting to look at that and going if we're having to report now on our environmental impact we're having to crank the heating up mm. because it is a drafty mm. place it might be funky to be but mm. it's cold so we whack the heating up there is we we have as tenants we haven't got control over um the access to renewables so we would probably be better off paying slightly more to be somewhere else that's warmer so we can turn our heating down, have a and report in our report and accounts that our fund managers are looking at. And so you've got this circle that the fund managers are running funds thinking short term that this property that they're holding in their property funds is a good idea. Mm. And yet the companies, whilst at the same time going to companies and saying reduce your carbon footprint oh okay well then we'll all pile out of your property investment mm. as as tenants then and go and work um, and go and operate from somewhere else so it's this interlinking it's the reporting of companies and how that links to fund managers um uh, and the decisions they're making and advisors discussing the issue with their their clients and as you say clients are becoming more informed it doesn't mean that advisors need an evangelical conversion what they um what they need to do is understand um and work with clients so the ones that know the best work with them and say well you're you're the expert i'm a financial advisor that's my expertise mm. you happen to be an expertise in this aspect aspect of climate so let's work together let me narrow down the investment options in this space um using my parameters and then let's work with your skills no client no good client is ever going to turn around and say well how much should we reduce the fee to me if i help you with this now, mm. most of them will be so excited to be involved in the process that they probably have never been involved in before that's and an amazing over money deal with this read the reason why letter sorry read the reason why letter then hand over money end of discussion till next annual review it's mm. let you know metaphorically let's hold hands go forward together we can do this as a partnership how exciting is that for a client? That's incredible. I'd be extremely excited if somebody had proposed that. You know, that that is that well, is quite which I did for 30 years. Right. With, it, it, with it's my so financial advice easy. business and clients loved it. And we never asked for referrals. We had people referring to us because they were excited that the friends that they had um to tell them that they should go to this advisor who talks to them mm. about the things they're concerned about. Amazing. 
no i i absolutely love that and the thing is you know that we before we started this we were talking very briefly about um you know where it was niche back in the 90s you had one fund you had um you know and and you were seen as the as as the liberal green party you know vegetarian sandal wearing person sat in the corner um you know and was never going to be a successful salesperson because that's how it was wasn't it obviously mm-hmm. you know it, it you know really got to get over that and and get into that way of thinking but the the partnership piece i absolutely love that i think that is just you know the way of thinking now because so many people are invested in climate change and sustainability uh, but, you know, and if they know that and they can in, invest that knowledge in with the advisor to work together with them to get, you know, a really good solution to their investment uh, challenges. And I think that's amazing. Well, we're going to have to draw this to a close, actually. But it was it's been a fascinating conversation. I know I've got a huge amount out of it. Dave obviously switched his you obviously our listeners wouldn't know this where it's a podcast. Dave switched his camera off because I think he's on, on a journey at the moment, wandering around wherever he is in, in Nottingham University. So um, I'm sure we'll catch up with him very, very quickly in a second. He says he's still here. Um, I am. Are you, hey, he's still there. <laughs> good, good, good to hear that, Dave. Um, so, but we are going to draw this to a close. So um, I, I will we'll just want to really thank my guests one more time. So, so Lee, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on board today and, and talking fun. about this. Um, Dave, obviously, you can you can jump in your Tesla now and have a nice little cruise home <laughs> far away from Barbados, is it? I'm on the train. I'm on the train. I've got to say, I'm inspired by both Nicola and um, Lee, you know, immensely. So, you know, Lee, those 30 years of experience, you could do with, like, bottling it up and putting it everywhere. You could do with being on every financial podcast going. I mean, please. Make it a perfume. <laughs> Should have said aftershave, but what the hell? Well, you know, we're, we're modern times. I've been known to wear anything. <laughs> <laughs> and Nicola, thank you so much for for coming on and giving a giving a, a, a fantastic view from SJP as always. So you know, really, really interesting stuff, and good to hear some really good noises coming from that direction. Thank you. Pleasure. Right. Anyway, this has been the the podcast. So obviously, you can listen to this on all of your favourite podcast channels. Um, but uh, from me, Lee, David, and from Nicola, uh, a very uh, wish you all a fantastic week. I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.